0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The countdown reaches 12. We are close to winding this thing up. And I will say, as the first thing on today's podcast, please keep listening through the offseason. It's a big deal. I do a lot of work in the offseason. I hate to think that that would fall on deaf ears. Off-season, we still run Monday through Friday, shows probably a little bit shorter in length on the whole, to quote the great Austin Powers. "The shows will feel good on the whole. And I hope you'll stick with us even after the regular season is over. That, of course, is next Sunday, May the 16th. Feels weird. This was a sprint and a half, man. I mean, we didn't... There was no let-up. Even the All-Star break felt like it went really fast. I think it was the same amount of time as usual. Maybe they shaved one day off or something. But this has been a, a run. Just, like, full tilt. And it's crazier than ever right now. Although, I'll admit... Now that my head-to-head team got wiped out with all the injuries, things are a little bit more relaxed. Roto, there isn't that, it's not quite as insane. Still very important to make sure you're starting guys that are actually healthy and playing, and when you're streaming guys, streamers of opportunity, as we've called them on the show, you want to make sure that that opportunity isn't being taken away from them, so you're paying close attention to the injury news, but, you know, once the games are going, it's not like, what are you going to do? If you're nuts, and you should be, because if you're listening to this podcast, you're a little bit nuts, you're that much into fantasy sports, there is the idea of, look, if you're not that far behind your Roto Games cap, you could actually see how some of your early games are going on a particular day. For instance, tonight, you've got Boston-Orlando is the early game, and then... Portland-Cleveland is the half an hour later, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff at 5 o'clock Pacific time. So maybe today's car isn't the greatest example of this, but let's say, hypothetically, that you had like four games that started at 4 4 Pacific, and then there were like another three or four that started late. You could actually see how your guys were doing in those early games and think, oh, okay, well, you know, I got my assist quota for the day. I can pull a guard out that I was going to start later and use that games cap to run a, a big man out there tomorrow or something like that. So you do want to get real tight with it because you never know when three rebounds might win you a point in Roto. It's coming down to the wire. I've got a couple of Roto leagues coming down to the wire. I have one where I just sort of boat raced everybody and I know some of you are listening. So what's up? By the way, can I gloat for a minute? Whatever. You guys don't care. I gloat because these leagues are hard for me, man. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to compliment you guys. You guys are good at this stuff. Because many of you that are in these Roto Leagues with me are folks that are listening to the podcast or hoop ballers, things of that nature. You guys are good. Like, these are are battles. Draft day is a battle. Pickups are a battle. I'm not the first one to the waiver wire often in these leagues. Often I get beat to the guy I'm trying to pick up. Strategically, I think I still have you guys by a little bit. Just a little bit. Things that I'm doing that I've tried to talk about on the pod, but maybe folks haven't fully internalized yet. And here's the, here's the part that's really remarkable for me, is that, first of all, beating you guys is very satisfying, because you guys are really good at fantasy sports. But the other thing is, you guys have my draft list. I really much have to zag every time you guys think I'm going to zig. I didn't get Tobias Harris in any league this year. Because everyone I'm playing with listens to the damn podcast. I'm absolutely positively jumping into some pro leagues next year, where I'll just, at least I'll get paired up with some randos. Dudes that follow other websites. Killing me here. You guys is taking every ounce of my strength. Sheesh, what a year. Oh well. And yes, it'll feel better if I can pull off the victories, because tougher competition, you feel better about a win, but... I wouldn't mind a couple of leagues where I can dial down my effort to like 80% for a day or two. Not even a day or two I could dial it back with you guys. So kudos. You guys are good, man. You guys know your stuff. Long time I was just smacking everybody around in this stuff and not anymore. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about fantasy sports. We'll give you the streaming breakdown on a seven-game recap Of what happened on Tuesday and then get you prepped for what you're looking for tonight, at least in terms of the injury stuff. Phoenix beat Cleveland 134-118 in overtime. There were a lot of really weird things in this ballgame. Number one, the Suns had seven turnovers in a 53-minute basketball game. That's crazy. Chris Paul had 16 assists and zero turnovers in yesterday's game. And while we're in celebration mode here, thanks to that performance, Chris Paul moved... To number 5 by totals in 9-cat this year. Number 5, guys. He's behind Jokic, Curry, Vooch, and Lillard. Ahead of Rudy Gobert. And Kyrie Irving and then Jason Tatum. Someone told me Jason Tatum was a bust this year. Dude's number 8 by totals in 9-cat this season. Hardly, guys. By averages, thanks to his giant game yesterday, Chris Paul moved to number 17 in 9-cat. So he's a mid-second rounder by averages, and an early first-rounder by totals. What a win that's been. In any event, the other weird thing that happened in this ballgame is that the Cavs somehow took the Suns to overtime without Darius Garland and then lost by 16. They got outscored by 16 points during the overtime period. That's unheard of. Honestly, I don't think I've seen that before. I'm sure it's happened at some point along the way where... You know, bad team started fouling down 9 or 10 in overtime or something crazy like that. But this was, this was pretty wild. From a fantasy standpoint, the, uh, the stuff that was sort of on the docket was who was going to play the power forward minutes for the Suns. And in this one, it tipped back towards Cam Johnson, although neither he nor Torrey Craig really did anything to write home about. This was Paul, Bridges, Aiton, and Booker. Those guys did the stuff for Phoenix yesterday. On the Cavs side, Isaac Okoro had a career high 32, 3 boards, 6 assists, a steal, 3 three-pointers, perfect 9 for 9 at the free throw line. He's trying to make a case for himself. He's still pretty far away from consistent value, but he has scored in double figures in six straight games now. Uh, he only has five steals and I don't think he has a single block in those six games but that does put him inside the top 100 thanks to the other stuff he's been doing. So he's around a steal, maybe a little bit less than that, over those six games. If you wipe out the first one, which is a 10-point, two-rebound, two-assist ball game, then he actually does move pretty easily inside the top 100. Uh, Free throws have been coming down for him, uh, or falling, I should say. They've been going into the bucket. Watch my my verbiage here. He did have a three-for-six free throw game against Washington, and there's, there's reason for optimism here, but from a fantasy stat set sa- standpoint, you got to hope you catch lightning in a bottle like yesterday. And it seems less likely that you will, because the big ones for him, the good games are coming about one every four or five right now. He's the fifth overall pick, so they have every incentive to just ram him into the lineup and see what happens, but he's not overtaking anybody in usage. And even yesterday, his usage wasn't all that high. It was just that everything he did, he turned to gold. I would prefer to stream Jetty Osmond, as long as Garland's out. And it sounds like he is going to miss another ballgame here. So Osmond, 16-5-4, four, four threes and a steal. He's been orchestrating. Like what he's been doing out there. Colin Sexton's going to get all the usage he can handle. Kevin Love has dialed it back to 80%, if that, 65% probably. Jared Allen's been fine. Figured he would do more the second half of this season. A little bit disappointed in what we got out of Jared Allen, but he's been fine. And so, no real valuation changes for the Cavs. Osman is your streamer, despite Okoro's big ball game. And that's more for—I uh, guess it was head-to-head because they—they're sitting on a, a back-to-back here early this week. But more so for Roto because when Garland comes back, whatever the hell that happens to be, and it's sounding more and more like it might be next week or maybe not at all. But whenever that is, you're going to want to move on from Osman. But Garland doesn't sound like he's super close. So you could make an argument here for head-to-head because yesterday actually started a five-game and seven-day stretch for the Cavaliers. That's good if you want to make up some ground in head-to-head. Or games played, honestly. You don't have to use a ton of moves. Well, in Roto, who cares? You can use a move every day. Charlotte beat Detroit 102-99. Ah, I'm mad at myself for not taking the Pistons in this one. Problem was, I was going to take the Pistons when they were a a 7.5-point underdog, and then everybody got ruled out for Charlotte. Miles Bridges went into protocols. Uh, P.J. Washington was out for a personal reason. Devontae Graham is dealing with knee soreness. Uh, By the way, we already have an update on a few of those guys. Devontae Graham is doubtful for Charlotte's game tomorrow. P.J. Washington is expected back. And Cody Martin, who we hadn't even talked about yet, is out already as well. So looking at this ball game, Charlotte-Detroit from Tuesday night, throw PJ back in there, and that's your sort of reassessment. Now, what does that do? Well, Biz- Bismack Biambo, Cody Zeller, Vernon Carey Jr., those guys played the 48 center minutes, split them not three ways, but three people all got involved in it. What happens is... Probably two of those guys get pushed down to very marginal effort, if anything. One of them probably takes the non-PJ Washington minutes, and Washington plays the rest of the center minutes. So P.J. will play 31, 32 center minutes, and then Biz will probably get like 14 or something like that, and who knows, Zeller 2, I don't know. Maybe something else weird happens. Of note, as we watched this game yesterday, I thought Malik Monk would be a little bit better. He went 0 for 8. So apparently he wasn't quite back yet. Lamella Ball is going to do a lot. Terry Rozier tried to do a lot, but the shots weren't falling. He took 23 shots. You can't really complain on that front. Caleb Martin got the start and played 34 minutes. Jalen McDaniels not surprisingly started a power forward for Miles Bridges. He had 10 and 12 with three steals and a block. He's a go, probably for the rest of the regular season, because it sounds like Bridges did actually test positive. We just, as I'm recording this show, they just, the NBA just announced that four, Coronavirus. Four positive COVID tests came back, and I'm guessing that one of those is Miles Bridges. We know. Well, I don't know what. When do they? When is this testing group from? Is this the one that has Zach Levine in it? Probably not. Is it the one that has Darren Fox in it? Possibly. This really loops back around to how a team is going to feel about a guy that chose not to get the vaccine and now is missing critical basketball games because of it. Fair or not, psychologically that's a thing. Brad Wanamaker played pretty well. He had 31 minutes off the bench. I don't think you trust Wanamaker. He, to me, it's possible that he and Caleb Martin end up kind of splitting power forward or small forward minutes. PJ Washington comes back at center. Bridge is out. Cody Martin out. Yeah, I mean, the rest of this doesn't change all that much. So I guess it's possible that Wanamaker and Caleb Martin could both potentially have fantasy value. I just, I get the feeling. So first of all, Wanamaker only took eight shots. Super low usage there. Caleb Martin's usage is actually a little bit better. He had 14 shots, four, four free throws, a couple of three balls. Do I Would I trust him enough to throw him into a lineup? Uh, probably not. They do have Chicago and Orlando coming up, and the Pels, so not terrific, I guess Orlando's defense isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, Let's make a final call on this one. McDaniels is a go. Wanamaker and Caleb Martin, I think you can sit that out. I don't think you're going to feel that bad about missing out on it. For Detroit, we got word today that Jeremy Grant is hoping to make his return to the lineup on Saturday as opposed to uh, Thursday. Saturday is the front end of a back-to-back. I've got to assume he's sitting out the rest of those. They're claiming he had some injury. We don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't really matter. They're just letting him play, like, one every four or five games. He'll probably play a game or two that last week of the season. They have three guys are going to want to play. Just, like, you don't want to just call it a year. I think he'll probably want to go in one of those last ones. So, from a head-to-head standpoint, I don't know that you can hold on to Jeremy Grant because all of these guys on the Pistons that have been resting, I I don't know... uh, you can't trust them, but then you've got the rest of these dudes on Detroit, who are are exploding all of a sudden. Sadiq Bey, who's been a go, he didn't have a good shooting game here, but he's good to go. Isaiah Stewart is good to go. He had a bad ball game as well, but again, just sort of throw that type of stuff out. As long as there's no Plumley, and as long for Killian Hayes as there's no Corey Joseph, he's going to have his struggles here, but he's probably a go. The ones that were interesting yesterday is that all of a sudden Hamadou Diallo was just given 40 minutes as the starting shooting guard, and he went sort of Josh Jackson-style nuts with thirty-five points, seven boards, missed a few free throws, and had these weird holes in his fantasy game, which he's always going to have. And Sekou Dumbuya came out with 34 minutes, 20 points, and 8 boards. Uh, Let's let's say Grant does come back on Saturday. That still gives us tomorrow if you want to roll some of those guys out. I, I would be very cautious before playing any of those dudes in roto bay i think you can play in roto stewart you can probably play in roto that might be it maybe killian hayes if you catch him on a day when the turnovers are not so awful and the field goal percent isn't so terrible but that's asking a lot that's a sort of a points league type of direction diallo we know is more built for points leagues Mbouya, we don't even really know much about at all. He played, what, a few weeks last year We he was getting big minutes, and then the NBA kind of steamrolled him for about the better part of a calendar year now. I think I'll wait and see what happens. I don't think I'm taking the plunge. Milwaukee sl- swept the two games from Brooklyn. 124-118 final score. Drew Holiday was fantastic. He's been very good for the Bucks this year. Slow down Kyrie Irving in the first battle between these two teams. Not quite so much in this one. Actually, Milwaukee was the team that didn't shoot the ball all that well. But Brooklyn kind of gave them this game by not rebounding very well and missing a ton of free throws. Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. Now, DJ, you expect. Jeff Green, you don't expect to miss a bunch of free throws like that. That was pretty weird. Those two guys combined to miss eight of them. That's the ball game. Meanwhile, Giannis actually was pretty good at the foul line. 10 of 12. So the Nets got 49%, and it wasn't enough because they didn't get really anything outside of Kyrie KD and a little bit from Joe Harris, but not enough there either. We don't know who the hell is going to play center for Brooklyn on any given night, and that's annoying. So probably dodge that for now. Bruce Brown, apparently not fully healthy because he's only going 12 minutes at a time. So I think with the with the Nets, and I've been a pretty big joe harris fan for most of the season his usage right now isn't really working that well in fact it almost seemed like he was a better fit next to harden who is for all intents and purposes a much better passer than the other two superstars on this team kyrie's decent KD's decent either one of them's bad at it but harden is quite good he's a very good passer and that's what you need getting a guy like harris open for a few of those shots Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving took 47 shots in this game. Team took 37. The other guys all combined to take 37 shots. That's probably not great balance. Might actually get the job done. Usually it would if those two guys put up 70 points on 47 shots, but uh, not against Milwaukee. Over on that Milwaukee side, there really isn't anything to talk about beyond the starters. So, yeah, I think we can mostly shuffle along. Yeah, let's keep shuffling. Nick Claxton, by the way, he came back to play five minutes. I guess that was something. Dallas blew out Miami, who didn't have Jimmy Butler. When they don't have Jimmy Butler, they're not very good. Sometimes they can cover it a little bit, but my whole thought process going into this game was Miami beats Dallas if Butler slows down Luka Doncic. Butler wasn't there, so Luka was just going to run circles around everybody. He had 23 points on 15 shots, missed a bunch of free throws, but who cared? Tim Hardaway Jr. had another huge game. 36 points, 10 three-pointers. Dwight Powell has, kind of surprisingly here, really grabbed that center spot by the horns with no KP and no Maxi Kleba. They kind of needed him to, but I I thought that Willie Cauley-Stein, who started, would have a decent shot at it. And Powell's been good. So I think as long as... Kleba and KP are out, and they might very well be out another ballgame. It's it's not super clear that any of them is right on the cusp of coming back. Mavericks play Brooklyn and then Cleveland, and then Cleveland again. So some pretty potentially high scoring games coming up. Although Cleveland not the fastest team on the market. Brooklyn plays pretty damn quick. Uh, there may be a path for more of a Roto Dwight Powell stream, guy that we really liked before his year long absence. Dorian Finney-Smith just sort of quietly plodding along. The Mavs were a much better team when we were talking about them in the context of a five-game week. Over on the Heat side, Trevor Ariza's been a revelation, man. 18 points on 11 shots. He had four threes. He got a steal. He's been great. Duncan Robinson played really well with no Jimmy Butler, which is kind of surprising, actually, but he just went for the usage for once. Goran Dragic is always going to put up good numbers when Butler's not around out of bio, nearly triple-doubled. His free throw percentage has fallen off a cliff in the second half. That 87% really did feel a bit like a mirage, and and, uh, now it's kind of turning out to be one. It's still a good year for Bam. He's still shooting 79.5% at the free throw line. But after that, again, he was like 87%-ish, somewhere in that neck of the wood. Last two months, he's been at 73. So that's maybe more the target, and maybe that's even a little bit too high. From a roto standpoint with Miami, that's your only play. Because they only have two games left this week, Saturday and excuse me, Friday and Sunday. If you're in head-to-head, all those guys, none of those guys should have been even on your radar. Not even remotely close to your radar, not with a schedule that bad. Kendrick Nunn didn't shoot the ball well, but he's worth starting in roto. If you need scoring and threes, a little bit of assists, not many. Dragic, you could make an argument here in the short term. Ariza, I like his collection of stats. Most nights, Duncan Robinson, more of a three point specialist. In any event, Sacramento beat Oklahoma City one hundred three ninety nine. That's right on the number. Kings were a four ish, four and a half point favorite. Might have even trended up a little bit prior to game time. Uh, and oh man, I mean, you guys know I was just sitting waiting for this ball game. I want to, I kind of want to not bury the lead, but I'm gonna do it. So let's come back to Sacramento OKC because my favorite player is is. Kicking ass now for the Kings. All of a sudden, thank goodness they finally cleared out enough room for him with injuries or whatever the hell's going on. Warriors falling to the Pelicans. This was the a rematch set as well, and a few things actually took place in this one. Brandon Ingram turned an ankle, and Stephen Adams reaggravated his toe. So it's not entirely clear who's going to play in the Pelicans' next ball game, which, by the way, as we make sure to check our schedule, isn't until Saturday. They're off today. Sorry, Friday. I got him on a calendar right. They're off today and tomorrow and they're back on Friday in Philadelphia. That's going to be a really tough ballgame for them. Lonzo Ball had a big one. Zion's going to be huge, especially if there's no Ingram. But what do they do if those guys do miss games? Well, normally, we had seen them go to Willie Hernan Gomez at center. He didn't play in this ballgame kind of inexplicably. Jackson Hayes got 24 minutes at 8-9 with a steal and a block. If this is the moment where... They're going to let Jackson Hayes play center instead of Willie Hernan Gomez. Jackson Hayes becomes a fast and immediate add. Now, if Brandon Ingram misses time, that probably means a little bit more activity for James Johnson, and probably yet not enough. For the Warriors, nothing really ever changes. I thought Kent Bazemore would do more. He played 30 minutes, just couldn't really get it cooking. Oh, well. You don't have to. He's more of a steals specialist who didn't even get you any steals in this ballgame. I mean, what are you going to do, you know? These are the guys you grab that are more fringy, so you hope you get them on the right night. And Toronto sent the Clippers to the brink, but the Clippers did ultimately prevail. I don't know that Kawhi Leonard is fully healthy yet. He's certainly not playing like it. Not first-round type of stuff his two games since coming back. From the uh, sore foot. Marcus Morris had a big one. Reggie Jackson had a big one. And I guess you can keep rolling those guys as long as Kawhi is going at half speed. I've just got to think that one night coming up here, Kawhi is going to get back to full tilt. And then it's just going to be Kawhi, Paul George, and Ivica Zubats. Patrick Beverly played. He had 15 minutes. That's going to cut into Reggie Jackson at some point as well. Rajan Rondo played 19 minutes. I mean, those guys are all going to be battling a little bit at this point. I can't imagine that any of those three really does hold consistent value the rest of the way. I know Reggie Jackson had a good ball game here, but he's been fluctuating a bit, a bit up and down lately, so he's probably on the wrong side of things. And the Clippers are another team where you're really looking at them from a Roto standpoint, because they only had three games this week. Schedule's not terrible next week. They finally have a four-gamer for the first time since April 12th that week. So then maybe you could look at some of these guys. Roto's standpoint, right now, I would put Marcus Morris just above the cut line. He's been one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA this year, actually. So You get some threes, you get him on okay percentages, that's all right. Toronto rested Kyle Lowry on this end of the Los Angeles two-step. Malachi Flynn has fallen off a cliff. This is the night he was awarded the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month, which uh, I don't know about that one. Kem Birch He got slowed a bit by the Clippers, but he's still good to go. Utah Watanabe started at shooting guard instead of Malachi Flynn, and he didn't do anything with it. So Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Kem Birch, those are your starters that you trust right now. If Lowry plays or if Ananobi comes back, you could fire those guys up as well. If Malachi Flynn's not starting, I don't think you can trust him in a normal, non five game week scenario and then Stanley Johnson is just an atrocious fantasy player but let's finally go back to the Kings and the Thunder the Thunder are a constant monitor situation Moses Brown finally saw big minutes and he had 17 rebounds we don't know where the hell that's been the last few weeks he's popped up with a 10 or 10 plus rebound game every once in a while but he's an awful foul shooter and he's still trying to figure out the NBA and this is why we told everybody to sell the second he had that big ball game remember that that was in late March I think feels like it's been a forever. I don't remember exactly what day that was because the NBA, man, it, it just, you know, rookies explode onto the scene and then reality sets in. And it's the same story almost every time, like nine out of 10 times. And then the rest of this team is just a bunch of guys that have terrible Roto stuff. They're not good in nine cat. Darius Baisley, points league, Dort, more points leaguey, because the, Field goal percent is finally leveling off for him. He was he was above the cut line in Roto for a little bit there. Not anymore. Maladone, if even, points league. Barely, if even. Not so much in this one. Roby's kind of been your closest safe guy, but he's got this super low ceiling. So the hell with the Thunder. I want to talk to you guys about my boy, DeLon Wright. 37 minutes, 13, 10, and 8. Four steals, four blocks. I love me some DeLon Wright. Yeah, he picked on a crappy Thunder team, but who cares? Finally, the path is open. I don't know why it took this long for the Kings to realize they had someone who was actually pretty damn good. Like, are you you kidding me? We needed both De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton to go down before they were finally like, all right, DeLon, you can play. You can go do some stuff. And yeah, they beat a really bad team. And and yeah, they are better with Halliburton and Fox healthy. But they needed to figure out a way to get right into the lineup. And they just didn't because Luke Walton's terrible. He's so terrible. So anyway, we'll see what happens. It sounds like Fox and Halliburton are, well, Halliburton probably done for the year. Fox, we don't have a return date yet. Kings, I believe, have another road game coming up here. Let me double check. Yeah, they're in Indiana tonight. And Fox didn't travel with the team, so he's definitely out for that one. Maybe he comes back on their upcoming homestand. And yeah, that would put a dent into Delon Wright, but you use him tonight, and then we'll wait and monitor the injury stuff. Terrence Davis, he's going to have a pretty good role here while both Fox and Halliburton are out as well. Marvin Bagley is going to have a pretty good role while Harrison Barnes remains out, but it actually sounds like he's not that far away, even if he does miss this one again this evening. I'm just excited to fire up starter level Delon Wright. That's one of my favorite things to do. One more day until we unveil a brand new item at manscaped.com. I'll tell you all about that on our Thursday podcast. Today, all I ask is you please rate and review the show. If you haven't done it before, maybe you've been thinking about it, you didn't do it during our contest, you thought, eh, I'll do it later. Today's the day. I need your help here as we head towards the offseason. Please, Go to the podcast app on your mobile device. This is really for iTunes. That's where the ratings really tend to take hold. Or iTunes, if you're using a computer, open it up. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. I know you can just click into it because you're listening to the show. It doesn't work that way, really. you got to search for Fantasy NBA Today and click on the show title. That'll kind of take you to, like, a show homepage almost. And if you're on a mobile device, you scroll down once you've clicked on the show title. And the rating review stuff is down at the bottom of that one. If you're in iTunes, there's a rate and review tab. If you want to write something nice, awesome. If you don't, I don't care. Either way, please do drop a five-star review on the show. I will be forever in your debt. Let's quickly zip through a Wednesday that's upcoming. It's a medium-sized car. I think we got a nine-gamer tonight. Boston is at Orlando. Sounds like Jalen Brown probably out for this ballgame. Sounds like Tristan Thompson probably out for this ballgame, which means you're going to get extra Time Lord. And that also means there might be enough available for Evan Fournier to get into the mix. For Orlando, that's been kind of interesting lately. We've seen R.J. Hampton step up a little. What's the deal with Gary Harris? He's played nine minutes in their last ballgame. Are they going to actually let him play, or are they going to sit him down for real z's this time? I think Cole Anthony likely bounces back with a better one. Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable. So Mo Bamba, who is already kind of taking over the fantasy stuff, At the center position, well, he probably... I mean, he's running away with it at this point, so that's cool. And uh, that's sort of what's going on with Orlando. On the Portland side, Dame is a game-time decision. Maybe they're thinking about trying to get him some rest against the Cavs, who just lost an overtime to the Suns yesterday. I don't know. If you're Portland, I don't see how you can take really anything for granted at this point. They're in a dogfight to not end up in the play-in. And right now, they are in it game back of the Lakers and the Mavericks, and in the seven seed. So they would play the Warriors to try to get the seven seed, and if they lose that, then they would play the winner of Grizzlies Spurs to try to get the 8th seed. I don't think they want that. I think the Blazers would rather just be in the playoffs, try to get up to the 6th seed, get the Clippers probably, maybe the Nuggets in that first round. Not that you really want that, but... You know, what if you have to play your way into just getting to those teams? I don't know, man. I don't know about a potential rest day. I think he probably plays. And for that reason, there's really not a whole lot to dial in on. Although, uh, what's the latest on Norman Powell? There's a good question. Let's make sure that we're all up to date on Norman Powell before we just zip through the Blazers. Um, He's questionable. Right knee patellar tendinopathy. Mm, 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 mm. we shall see I don't think you're really picking up maybe Anthony Simons if he gets ruled out you could go kind of on a whim but for a lot of roto leagues you would have had to make that decision yesterday Cavaliers uh I gotta think Kevin Love sits out the back-to-back maybe not I think he played in their last one uh so we already talked about them Chetty Osman Kings we just talked about them Pacers waiting on an update on Goga If Goga comes back, he's probably a go. In the meantime, he's questionable, by the way, for tonight. In the meantime, O'Shea Brissett is an all-systems go play. He's been crushing it. TJ McConnell, he's a go, whether or not Brogdon's in or out. Doug McDermott, he's a possible go. I think McDermott's really more of a go if Brogdon's out, because then they're going to need more offense, and he's more offense than anything else. Washington in Milwaukee, the Bucks off that wild two with the Nets. Can they get it fired back up again to take on the streaking Washington Wizards? They've been very good lately. That's Beal, Westbrook, and, uh, and Daniel Gafford. And that's probably about as far as you go with that club, especially against a good team like Milwaukee that most likely isn't going to let Davis Bretons get too open. But I suppose you never know. We might get the letdown game from the Bucs. Grizzlies at Minnesota. Memphis has been real tired lately. I do wonder if getting a little bit of time off and and it's loose term there because they had that one game against New York at home with off days on either side of it, does that give them a little bit of rest? I don't know, man. They've been on this insane tear where they went back to back. You know, they had the five games in seven days and they're doing another five games in seven days and Then they have five the final week of the season. Like, their their schedule is nuts and I think they're running out of gas a little bit. Meanwhile, the Wolves are very well-rested. They haven't played since they lost in overtime to the Pels last Saturday. And they were playing, have been, Should say they were, but they are playing well lately. There's no whole lot of fantasy stuff here. I think De'Anthony Melton probably bounces back from Memphis. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been on a, a, a minutes count that's probably not changing anytime soon, and that does throw a little bit of a wrench into the slow-mo stuff. And then you're not venturing too far beyond that, which is the thing here with Memphis. This is the start of another 5-7. This is actually the start for Memphis of a 7-10, which I think is probably the best long stream of all time, now that the 4-5 sort of isn't really in the mix anymore. Memphis actually does have a 4-5 as part of that. So if you picked up a Grizzly today, you could hold them through Friday of next week, and you'd get seven games in ten days. Which pretty much brings the entire roster into play. Like you want to, you want to talk about who's in play on the Grizzlies? Go to that game against New York, where they weren't good, and yet Desmond Bain, he's in play. JV obviously, slow mo, yes. Dylan Brooks, yes. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is he is he sitting this one out? No, this is probably one half of the back to back. He'll sit out, so he's maybe not in play for head to head, but he certainly is in Roto. Grayson Allen's back, so he's in play. Melton, I know he only played nine minutes. He's in play. There's like two guys on the roster that aren't. Xavier Tillman is not in play. And Tyus Jones is also probably not in play. Otherwise, I think you could could make an argument that every other guy on that team deserves some kind of look. Minnesota, there's really nothing going on there. Ricky Rubio's been above the cut line lately. That's kind of it. Phoenix, there off the overtime win yesterday. They're in Atlanta for this one. Uh, Should be a pretty good ball game. Atlanta's been playing well. They're getting their guys back. Would I trust Danilo Gallinari? That's probably the, the, the line for Atlanta. And the answer is, in Roto, yeah, it probably would. I mean, you're pretty much targeting free throw percent at that point. And on the Suns, I think it's probably best to leave the power forward spot along. Philly start the starters. Houston, Jay Sean Tate into the health and safety protocols. As of today, Christian Wood is doubtful. So you're going to have a real weird Rockets thing going on. Uh, I got to think KJ Martin became a very safe play with both of those guys getting ruled out. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to do a ton. Kelly Olenek might be the number one player in fantasy for the next half week. I'm not really being facetious there. And if you want to see... We talked a bunch about the Knicks or about the uh the Rockets over the weekend. Sorry, they lost to the Knicks over the weekend. Who might step into a role? Well, you know, take that game, take their Sunday game with New York and remove Tate's 30 minutes and Woods' 35 minutes and you got a lot on the table. An absolute ton. So KJ Martin, he actually played 32 minutes in that game. So he's guaranteed minutes and he'll probably start. I got to think he's the starting small forward. Maybe he's the starting power forward on this team. And then who else slides in? Is it going to be is Avery Bradley going to start at shooting guard? It, what do we know about DJ Wilson? I'm not going to venture into that realm. What I will say is that KJ Martin deserves to be added pretty much everywhere because we don't know if Wood's going to miss a couple of ball games, but we do know that Tate is missing a week. And that pretty much takes you to the end of the season. So he's a drop in head-to-head. So Houston went from a place that I would... You know, I thought Tate... We didn't know he was going to fall into health and safety protocols. And then Wood was questionable for this ballgame as of yesterday or two days ago. Well, he got downgraded to doubtful. So all of a sudden, the Rockets took on a whole new thing. The Knicks. uh, Nerlens Noel is questionable. If he's out, you use Taj Gibson. If he's in, you use Nerlens. That's a pretty easy one. Derrick Rose is a go these days Bullock's been a go for a while Denver well I mean really what the hell are they gonna do they're they're like they're running out of guys at this point Compazzo seemingly would have enough to be useful again he's been a decent stream not great decent but everybody's falling like they're just dropping like flies on this team I gotta think PJ Dozier misses at least one ball game maybe I'm nuts maybe he tries to play through it but sheesh Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Facundo Campazzo. I think those are probably the only Nuggets that I would consider using. Spurs, another one with the Jazz. Spurs have not been playing well at all. They're in free fall right now, and yet somehow they hang on to the 10 seed. Lost four games in a row. Pelicans, golden opportunity here. Spurs don't want it. They've been bad lately, like real bad. Got a couple of nice wins in there, and then just wildly inconsistent pretty much every other time, which is... Keeping the it's keeping the Kings trying also. Uh but the Pels are gonna continue to try. Spurs just lost to the Jazz, what, I think, two days ago? Wasn't yesterday, was it? Uh it was Monday. Yeah, we can figure this out. Fantasy wise, they're not super interesting. And then there's always and this was a that was kind of a blowout in that game on Monday also. DeMar DeRozan played relatively well. A lot of guys didn't see their normal allotment of minutes. Jakob Pearl's got to deal with Rudy Gobert again. There's just, there's just nothing. Spurs are boring. So are the Jazz. We went over that game on Monday, and we were like, well, there's nothing here. So, yeah, there's also nothing here. <laughs> That's it. All right, good luck, everybody. We'll do it all again tomorrow, won't we? Please rate and review the podcast. I am Dan Vesperis. Did I even say that at the beginning of the show? I don't think I introduced the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation. I'm at Dan vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Drop me a follow, why don't you? I'm going to be doing much, much more on Twitter going forward. I sort of dialed it back the last two seasons while working on some pretty big projects, but you got my word. There'll be more of it going forward. At Dan Vespers Fantasy NBA Today, Hoop Ball presentation. Talk at you Thursday. So long, everybody.